Welcome to the Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to this episode of the Determined Mom Show. I have a very special guest, Deborah Davis, and she is a parenting coach. She's an award-winning author. She is a speaker. She has had her WITS personal trainer certification since 2014, and she is just amazing. She has multiple books. So welcome, Deborah. Tell us how many books you have. I have four of my own and four anthologies that I have been featured in. That's awesome. Yay. Awesome. I love it. So welcome to the show. And today we're going to be talking about how to usher in 2021 the way you want it to be. So I'm super excited to have you here. And before we get started into the topic, I would love to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, how did you get started um, kind of like working from home or being your own boss? Well, I was a career teacher. I taught 27 years. I'm a high school, middle school person. Mm -hmm. And I love teaching. So I didn't leave because of that. I love the kids. I love the teaching. But I had started writing because I'd gotten sick with Lyme disease, which had put me on the couch and I had to stop teaching in the middle there. And um, once I did that, I was bitten by the writing bug. So I started writing during the summers because anybody who's a teacher knows if you're teaching, that's all you can do. You can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. So I would write during the summers. And all of a sudden I realized I had two manuscripts. So I thought, I'm going to go be a writer. So I stopped teaching and jumped in with both feet here. And um, then everything just kind of morphed because about five minutes after I left teaching, I missed it. I missed the energy. I mean, if you think about it, I've been in school since I was four. And now it was just me and my husband and my computer. So (laughs) he's great, but he's not the energy of 20 (laughs) kids in a classroom. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to connecting with people. And that led me to doing parent coaching because basically that's what I'd been doing all those years where I'd been teaching, you know, the parents would come and see me already upset about something behavioral or academic that was going on with their kids. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out a way to make the angry parent and the defensive child talk to each other, because if they weren't communicating then whatever we discussed in the meeting was going to fall on somebody's deaf ears, either one, right? Yeah. So I figured out all these different techniques to kind of bring them together, just trying to solve the individual situations I found myself in. But over the years, I had developed this arsenal of techniques and strategies and people would walk in and I'd listen to them for a minute and I'd go, ah, let's try this. And it would work. And So back then, I don't want to date myself here, but back then it didn't have a name and now we call it parent coaching. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing now to work with parents and kids. And I just had a book come out called How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door. So when people don't have time to sit and talk with me, there's all those techniques and strategies in that book. That's awesome. That's so cool. And it's kind of interesting. So how old was your daughter during that whole process? I'm kind of curious about that timeline. So I started teaching. She was born when I was about 
my 10th year of teaching, Mm -hmm. which she freaked me out because (laughs) I was used to being with high school and middle school kids. I'm like, this little thing doesn't understand my jokes. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do with this thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She cries. So yeah, I, I spent her single digit years worrying that I was screwing up her life, which I'm sure no other mother does. And I'm sure I'm the only mother who worries about screwing up her kid's life. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) By the time she got to uh, middle school, I was ready for her. You know, she was like right there in my zone. I knew what was going on before she did. And that it was wonderful. So book didn't come out until she was out of high school. That was, I didn't start writing till, yeah, I didn't start writing till she was, a junior in high school, because that was the year I got sick. Okay. So I started writing two YA novels. That's where I began. It was all with fiction. Oh, that's and cool. One's called Fairly Certain, and the other one's called Fairly Safe. And they're both humorous suspense, which I'm pretty sure is not a genre. But uh, it could be. I, like I mean, things. I think it, that sounds actually like right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always write things with surprise endings because I like surprise endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got those were the two books, the two manuscripts I had when I stopped teaching. I thought, ooh, I'm going to be a fiction writer. But I really miss the interactions with people. Yeah. So it's been about five years, I guess. That's awesome. I love it. Awesome. I love that you have written the book about parenting daughters in particular, because I definitely myself find that that is a challenge, you know, like I could, I think I could deal with boys. Like I've always, I'm like a tomboy. Like when I was little, I like always played with my cousins and like, I understood boys better. (laughs) So here I am with like three girly girls and um, I'm looking forward to reading your book. So. Well, it will help. Everything helps because whether you're parenting a daughter or parenting a son, it's all about the bottom line. It's all about relationships Mm -hmm. and how you conduct yourself in a relationship and how you perceive the other person in your relationship, because that whole perception is basically your reality, whether it's a real thing or not, it's your reality. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how to get past perception and find out what is actually real. Yeah. Okay. So how (laughs) that's a really good segue into our topic because I think all of our, I guess, maybe expectation of 2020 went out the window in March. Like it just got thrown out the window. Everything that we had planned, every whatever was just gone. So how can we go into 2021 with those, that type of mindset of like the expectation and the reality and all of those things? The first thing I would say is that you have to wrap your mind around what the new normal really is. Mm -hmm. The new normal is change. If you are waiting for the dust to settle and you're saying, okay, as soon as the dust settles, then I'll be able to get my ducks in a row and I'll be able to move forward. That's not going to serve you well because your ducks are going to get joined by other ducks and some of your ducks are going to leave and some of your ducks are going to wobble and you're not going to get them all in a row. That's not what's going to happen. This is about change. And people's fear is making them want to be searching for normalcy, repetition, routine. Their fear makes them go that way. But the reality is if you're a parent, 
you have change all the time. Every single time your kid goes into a new grade, it's all change. It's new teachers. It's new rules. It's new settings. And every time school ends, you end up with a different summer with a different age kid. It's all different. It changes all the time. And then in August or September, it all changes again. Mm-hmm. And we're okay with that because we're expecting that change. So if we can wrap our minds around that this life, this world is going to keep changing, then all we got to do is say, I'm going to be like a person surfing a wave. You just keep adjusting and then you just ride that wave. Yeah. It's going to be okay. All you have to do is say, I'm not going to try to keep holding on to something like it's going to be permanent. Yeah. Go with the flow, roll with the changes and accept the change and you will feel so much more comfortable and your anxiety will be reduced and you won't be conveying that anxiety to your kids. Your kids won't be assimilating. As soon as this is done, then things will be okay. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be thinking that way. You want your kids to be saying, I see what's going on and I'm okay. Yeah. And the yeah. way you can convey that to your kids is you need to say to them, you know what? Things are going to change. Whatever's going in your, on in your school right now, that might change, but it's okay because yeah. we will handle it. Yeah. And if I don't know what to do, then I will find someone who knows what to do and we will handle it. So you don't have to worry. Yeah. You could just relax. You could just be the kid. You can work on your studies and work on having fun. I got your back. It's yeah. going to be okay. That's awesome. And while you're telling your kid that, what do you think that's going to do to your peace of mind? It's going to make you believe it and, yes. you know, start a- adopting those thoughts as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Your body doesn't know the difference between fake words and your real words. They just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, okay, we got this. It's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah, that's good. So that's even if you don't believe it. In the new year. Yeah, awesome. Right? So even if you don't believe it, you should be saying it and eventually you're going to believe it and, you know, feel that way as well. Well, biologically, yes, I was a science teacher. I'm a science geek. Okay. Biologically, using positive words creates hormones in your body of a positive nature. Using negative words like cussing Mm -hmm. creates an inflow of negative hormones or stress hormones. I shouldn't say negative hormones. They are our hormones. Mm -hmm. They are the stress response hormones. And you can fool your body in so many ways to produce those hormones, even the happy ones, even when you are not happy. And and even if you don't believe what I'm saying is true, because (laughs) your body isn't able to tell the difference, like smiling. When you smile, you use all these muscles and they trigger the nerves that um, talk to your brain. And then your brain says, oh, we got to get out those hormones. And you get these bursts of happy hormones. Yeah. Well, if you fake smile right now, everybody who's listening to this, just make a grin, just go, just a grin, right? You feel it in your gut. It's just this little teeny little ripple. And if you smile again, you'll feel it again. See? And that's because your brain, your body can't tell the difference between a real smile and a fake smile. So when you are feeling tense, down, low, angry, fake smile. You don't have to let anybody see it. Just fake smile. However, if you're at work 
and people don't know that this is what you're doing, I don't do it because they will think you're a crazy person. You need to explain to them that this is a way I'm releasing stuff. Yeah. And also tell your kids about this so that they can use this tool. Because if you grin at them in the middle of a fight, they're going to think, okay, mommy just went over the edge. Yeah. So you got to warn people that that's what you're going to do. Yeah, that's a good idea. And that could be a technique in itself. No, no, I'm just oh, kidding. It's definitely a technique. It definitely <laughs> is. In the yeah. in my book, How to Get Your Happy On, there's a whole slew of techniques in there. And the fake smile is one of them. Oh, that's so cool. Another one is, um, okay, so this is going to sound so weird, but if you just roll your eyes upward, keeping your face straight, but just roll your eyes upward just for a second, like you're looking at the sky, that gives you that same little pleasant ripple in your stomach. And the other one is if you take a deep breath and exhale it quickly, like you're imitating relief, like, like you're mm-hmm. imitating relief, that also is a positive hormone producer. And that's also something that they do in yoga. Yeah. Okay. Now, put those three together. Rolling your eyes, heaving a sigh, and a sarcastic smile. And what do you have? A huge release of uh, anxiety and stress. Yeah. Exactly. Also, a huge button pusher for moms when their kids do that. Mm -hmm. The thing is, when a kid rolls their eyes, they are thinking, they're not thinking anything they are creating a happy hormone release. Mm-hmm. When they heave a sigh, like <sighs> they are creating a happy hormone release. And when they grin at you like, okay, like they're being sarcastic, they are creating a happy hormone release. Mm-hmm. We, as the receiver of their happy hormone releases, perceive that as disrespect and being thwarted, our authorities being thwarted. Instead, I'm saying reframe this because if you can reframe this kind of thinking with the um, those exasperated visions of your children, but also your significant other or your parents or your siblings or whatever, if you can reframe that as number one, I am being witness to the fact that this person is not coping. Yeah. They're not, this is not something they're doing to me. This is something that's happening to them. So that should help you get on their side and not feel like they're directing it towards you. Yeah. And number two, if you understand that that's what's going on, especially with your kids, say to them, do that again. Roll your eyes, heave a sigh, and um, make a face. Do it again. Just do it again. (sighs) Right? Mm -hmm. You feel better? Because I feel better seeing you do that. I'm going to do it too. (sighs) Right? And then it will have interrupted the negative escalation that was going on with something that creates happy hormones in both of you. Yeah, that's awesome. So you don't feel attacked. They don't feel attacked. And now you can say, I see that you are really stressed. I see that you're having difficulty. Why don't you and I fix this problem together? That will help so much with your kids. That's awesome. It sounds like a diffusing technique, kind of like to... When you're both feeling that like um, on edge kind of feeling of like, oh my goodness, they don't get it. Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand why I don't get it. And then using that can just kind of take the edge off of things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And once you de-escalate things, everything opens back up. Yeah. And awesome. if you're in a room with somebody who tends to be 
irritable or they push your buttons or you push their buttons, instead of facing them, sit next to them so you're shoulder to shoulder. Their negative energy won't be coming right at you. Mm-hmm. And it'll be much easier for you guys to talk and share and, you know, unpack whatever's going on. That's a good tip too. I didn't think about that. I'm uh, an empath. So I feel all the energy yes. of everyone all the time. And it's, um, yes, yeah. sit next to them and let yeah. it blast in the <laughs> parallel direction and not at you. Yeah. Sit yeah. next to them. Okay. I've got family members who are very intense. It's like a, a really fat laser beam of energy that they shoot at you when they're feeling emotional. Yeah. And if I sit next to them, it's like, I'm just dodging away from that <laughs> beam. They're feeling closer to me. And, you know, <laughs> going, phew, glad yeah. that I dodged that one. That's funny. So now uh, if we ever are at an event together and you sit next to me, I'll know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Awesome. So what are some other things that we can do to make 2021 a little easier or less, um, I guess, stressful, make ourselves happier in 2021? I know you said um, just embracing change and riding that wave, but are there any other tips or things that you have to share with us? Do I have tips? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, This is like throwing gasoline on a fire, right? (laughs) I have so much to share. Good. The first thing is that create a positive memory right at the beginning. One of the things that my husband and I always did was on New Year's Eve, we would sit down together and we'd videotape. Back then, we videotaped tapes for as long as the tape would go. We would talk about our relationship and who we were and how the year had treated us. And then we'd videotape our daughter and she'd play a song on her piano and talk about her best friends and her teachers. And these were beautiful records that we have of her growing up and of us growing up. You know, we were growing, maturing young parents. And she, as a young adult, never knew us at that stage. Yeah. So this gives her a way to relate to who we were at the time that she is now. Yeah. That's it's so like cool. if we had been uh, colleagues. Yeah. In the same yeah, cohort. Yeah. So creating a nice memory like that and planning on stacking them so you've got them for the future and you're sitting there giggling, going, I mean, your daughter's making some kind of weird thing and they, yeah, we're going to show this to you, your boy, when he wants to date you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's just a nice way to start the year. I love that idea. Since we just finished a year, it's also a nice way to finish a year. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I'm going to talk about is the big deal that, you know, what January brings, New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of, I'm going to start, things are going to be new, things are going to be better, which by the way, is what every kid thinks when they're starting school. Yeah. And um, this time I'm going to do it right. And right. Yeah. And then three weeks, typically three to four weeks later, Somewhere along the line, you realize that you're not doing that stuff and you start self-chastising and and you feel down about yourself and, and kind of do punishing things that you wouldn't do to your child. You wouldn't say to them, you said you were going to be a better person and it's February and you're not. What's going on with you? Yeah. Right? Well, then <laughs> we shouldn't be doing that to ourselves either. Yeah. Right. So I'm all for creating resolutions. I think that New Year's Eve is kind of an arbitrary thing. That's like the financial year. For me as a teacher, it was always September and June. 
because those were the beginnings, beginning of summer, beginning of school, beginning of summer, right? Okay, so I would pick some time to make a resolution that something's actually going to change. So go ahead and do it in January because that's what we do traditionally. Yeah. But think about doing them again on the first day of spring, right? There's another change going on there. Do another one the first day of summer or the end of school. I mean, pick the ones that are significant to your life. Yeah. Now, the reason why resolutions fail is because people don't understand what they're wishing for. So many times they are thinking, I just want things to be better, which is a wish. And if you have a magical fountain to throw a coin in, that might come true. But you have to do something specific in order to do it. So um, you may have heard of SMART goals. I learned about SMART goals in school because we were doing them with our kids. With our, We were doing them with our um, lesson plans. Mm-hmm. And the SMART goal means that and they are great. I'm not saying they're not great. They are great, but they have a limit, which I'll address in a second. But I just want to go over what SMART goals are in case people aren't familiar with them. Yeah. It's an acronym, which, of course, every time I have to do an acronym, I can't remember what it is. But the S is for being specific. So you want to talk about something specific, which means narrowing it down from I want things to be better to finding something specific that you want to work on. And then SMART, S-M. So M means measurable. So you want to have something that you can actually say, if I achieve this goal, this is what I will see. This is what the difference will be. Better is not measurable. Yeah. You, I mean, better is subjective, right? Better may be my nails are growing because I'm not biting them. Better might be my waistline is smaller. Better might be I'm sleeping through the night. I mean, it has to be something that is measurable. SMA, and it has to be achievable. So if you are going to create a goal, then you need to have a plan of how you are going to achieve that goal. And if you don't have a plan for how you're going to achieve the goal, then most likely it's going to fall through because you're just hoping it's going to work out. So you have to have a plan so you can achieve your goal. You have steps have reminders. That's a real big one, which brings me to the R. This is not what everybody else uses for the R, but for me, for the R, they use the word relevant. I'm sorry. If it's a goal, it's relevant. So I don't like that word. I I like the word reminders. If you're going to create a SMART goal for yourself, then you need reminders because this is not something that you usually do. So life is going to take over. So you need reminders. And then the last one is time. The T is time. You need to have a deadline for it. Let's put it that way. You need a a time frame for when this is going to be accomplished. So if you say, I just want things to be better. I mean, do you mean in this decade? Do you mean this week by the end of today? I mean, you need to have a time deadline set for it. Yeah. So that's what SMART means for the SMART goals. But The part that you have to pay attention to is that if you are going to do a New Year's resolution, it isn't just a a vow, I'm going to change things. What you're talking about is a lifestyle change. I'll give an example of something that I went through, which was not resolution related. But when I got ill, it was Lyme disease. And the first time... I was very ill. I won't go into that. The second time I got Lyme, which was about five years later, 
I had read that you could get rid of Lyme without taking antibiotics. And I already knew that antibiotics had messed me up so much because I'd taken them for so long. Yeah. And um, I went to a naturopath and I said, this is the method that I found online. And she goes, no, 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 no. I want you to take the antibiotics. And I said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do it with you or without you. So she goes, no, it's better to do it with guidance. So she went through the protocol. She picked and chose things that she thought were specific to me. And we did this, but I had to change the way I ate. Mm -hmm. And I can count the things I was allowed to eat on my fingers. Wow. I could eat, drink water, filtered water. I could not have water out of a plastic bottle at all. Mm -hmm. I could have um, fish and fowl, no no, um, shellfish. I could have green vegetables, carrots, onions, garlic, rice, and olive oil. So that's it? That was it. Wow. So what happened was, and she said, if you can't stick to this diet, then you have to take the antibiotics because yeah. this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And it worked. So first of all, it worked. Second Good. of all, if you know anybody with arthritis, that's the same thing you're supposed to be eating. If you know anybody with cancer, that's the same thing you're supposed to be eating. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up going organic with all of this. The idea is that your body only has so many resources for fighting the things that are in it. And if you're putting stuff in it that's bad for it, then it has to divide its time from taking care of your disease to taking care of what you just ate. Mm-hmm. So removing the plastic from the plastic in the water, removing the chemicals from the um, corn, the chips that you just ate or whatever. Yeah. So your body is at half functioning level when you put that stuff in it. When you stop putting that stuff in it, it says, all right, I'm ready to get down and to get to work and I'm going to work on the thing that's bothering me. So I'm going to go after the problem. So that was a lifestyle change. But in my head, it was temporary because I was thinking when I get better, Mm -hmm. it's strawberry shortcake and (laughs) bread, right? So I got better, got my clean bill of health and ate crap for a month Mm -hmm. and got myself so sick that I said, all right. Then I learned about elimination diets and that you can test what it is that is making you sick. And basically it was anything that's GMO related was making me sick. Mm -hmm. Genetically modified organisms for people don't know what that is. These are things that have been genetically engineered for a variety of reasons, which I shan't go into. (laughs) And I'm not saying all GMOs are bad. All I'm saying for a fact is that no one has ever tested the interaction of GMOs with each other. So if you're eating GMO corn and GMO wheat, no one's ever tested what happens long range if those are together. No one's ever tested if you're taking blood pressure medication, the long range effects of having GMOs with it. So all I'm saying is the jury is still out. And Mm -hmm. until then, if I'm being super cautious and it turns out I didn't need to be, it's like, oh, well. Yeah, it's better to err on the side of caution, right? Yeah, Exactly. And eating on um, properly has made me slender by default, Mm -hmm. which I'm okay with that. Yeah, I would be okay with that too. (laughs) So the whole thing about a change in lifestyle is what you have to do with a new year's resolution and people aren't willing to do that. They're willing to change something so they can have a short term reward. Yeah. And that's why things fail. Okay. So 
I'm going to give you one more example. Yeah. This is about using reusable shopping bags. I wanted to use reusable shopping bags. I was using my single-use plastic bags repeatedly. I was using those for garbage and for things like that. So they were all getting a second use. But when they started making single-use shopping bags back in the 80s, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that too. So I bought a couple and forgot to bring them in. Yeah. And then I, I thought, oh, man, so I'll put them by the door. So I forgot to bring them in. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll put them in the car. So I forgot to bring them in. Yep. And then it was just driving me crazy because, I mean, I was really happy. I was starting to remember them, but I wasn't doing it. So I said to myself, OK, if you forget to bring them in there, then you have to buy new bags and you can't use disposable ones. You have to buy a new bag to, in your groceries. Yeah. I had so many bags. Because <laughs> you always forgot them? I always forgot. Oh, them. I love it. I had them in the backseat of my car. I had them in the trunk of my car. I had them by every entrance of my house. Mm-hmm. And they were nestled. You know, I had lots of bags in the bag. Yeah. And then finally I said, all right, if you're not going to bring the bags in, then you don't get a bag. You yeah. just put the stuff in the cart and you have to wheel the cart out to the car and bag them at your car. Because I yeah. like my car was filled with bags. Yeah. Finally, I started bringing bags in and it became a habit. And I now am at the point where I bring grocery bags in 100% of the time, but I'm at like 50% of the time if I'm going to a different kind of store. Like if I go to a hardware store, if I go to a clothing store, I'm just now beginning to bring my bags in with me, Mm -hmm. but I am doing it. That's good. So the reason why I'm saying this is because that whole process was like eight months. Hello, (laughs) eight months. Wow. And I was really devoted to the concept. Yeah, definitely. I even had, even had bags in my husband's truck yeah. you know, in case we went to the store. So the point is the R in SMART is about reminders. So I put reminders now. I know this now. I didn't know this with the bags. This is actually how I, I got the bags over the edge. I, got, I finally started bringing them in. I put a reminder eye level at my door when I was leaving that front door. I'd go out the front door. I'd see that reminder. And for other things, like if I want to um, make sure I exercise before I go to bed, I put it on the bathroom mirror. I put it to places I usually go. Mm -hmm. Um, The refrigerator is a great place for a reminder and not a don't eat reminder. I mean, I put (laughs) like, like if you have to go get blood work done or something, you need to fast. Yeah. a reminder up like that, but anything else is judgy. So I don't put anything like that up on the refrigerator. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Just, but the other thing about posting reminders is you need to post them and move them around. Cause if you put it in one place, they will become part of the background and you won't notice them anymore. Yeah. But reminders are the way that I got it. I actually put a reminder on my visor about the bags. Oh, that's so cool. Flip up my visor. It would say bags. I was like, Oh yeah. Yes, go me. (laughs) I would have to put it like on my steering wheel, like so then that way when I got out of the car, like yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put it in the middle of your steering wheel. Don't put it on the outside. Yeah. Or on your dashboard on the other side of the steering steering wheel. On your kid's forehead. No, that won't work. (laughs) It wouldn't stick. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't stick. And they'd probably eat it. Anyway. Yeah. So the point is we're Americans, so we have this thing about instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And that's how we view our new year's resolutions. Yeah. So if we get off that kick 
and say, this is something I really need to change. I need to clean up my diet because my kids are eating what I'm eating and I don't want them to be feeling this way when they're this age. Mm -hmm. Or if it's, um, I've been depressed, I need to perk myself up. I'm, and I need to do the things that need to be done in order to raise my energy level. Yeah. I need to step away from the negative people in my life. I need, you know, whatever it is that you want to do to change your life, create a smart goal for it. Make sure it's something small. And then be prepared to remind yourself. And then be accepting that you're going to start and stop and start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. It's okay because it turns out that when you stop, and you're thinking about it during that time, oh, I should be doing this, oh, I should be doing this, until you start again. Yeah. That's all part of the process of making it a habit. Mm. I mean, you don't have to sit there and go, yeah, I got to put up sticky notes so I'll remember to brush my teeth. Yeah. No, you brush your teeth. Why? Because your mom did it with you over and over and over when you were a kid. Yep. And then it just became your habit. Mm-hmm. So the purpose of sense. sending New Year's resolutions is to create a habit. And a habit is something you do without thinking. Mm. I bring my bags into the grocery store without thinking now. Yeah. I just automatically reach for it. And that's where you want to be because then it is part of your lifestyle. It's what you do and who you are. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Back in the day, when I was a kid, there was this all this stuff about um, create a new habit in seven days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Is that impossible? No, it's not possible, but that's just not the way your life changes. Yeah. It would work maybe for something deadly or yeah. horrible. I mean, like with my changing my, my food for the Lyme disease, mm-hmm. I did that in one week. I walked around angry for about a week and a half because of the lack of sugar. Because yeah. that's one of the sugar withdrawal symptoms is anger. Mm-hmm. I was angry. And I had to keep excusing myself from our family <laughs> so that I wouldn't get mad at them because I knew that that's what was going on. I'd read up on it. Yeah. But when I try to make sure I live that way 100% regularly, no, you slide back and forth. Yeah. That's um, so cool. But when you are going to start and stop and think about it, that's all part of the process that makes it part of your habit. So you don't have to waste your time saying, Oh, I can't believe I didn't do it and do that blaming stuff because that actually derails it. Mm-hmm. If you stop, then you say, you know what? I'm not doing it today. And that's my choice. But I know I will get back to it and it's okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. good with that. This is my decision. That's awesome. That is huge because I do that all the time. We so, <laughs> yeah, that's we awesome. all do. I mean, I'm sitting here, I've done so many things in my life working through this process, Mm -hmm. but I still, I catch myself going, oh man, I should have done that. And I go, wake up. No, this is part of the process of turning it into a lifestyle change. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And I think that is going to help us all so much going into 2021 with different expectations than we had (laughs) for 2020 and being able to, you know, 
kind of evaluate how we want to be and how we want our life to be. And I really think that this year has given everybody that perspective, which is kind of a gift, um, Mm -hmm. even though it's been crazy, but it's been able to give people that like time to like really self-evaluate, evaluate everything in their life. And so then that way, using your tips and your advice, we can go into 2021 and really make it what we want and have those tools to know how. So that's awesome. Exactly. And I'm not saying it's easy because you're saying, I want this now. Mm -hmm. Gets a lot easier if you get rid of that. Yeah. If you get rid of that and you say, instead substitute it with, I'm on a journey, then it's much more positive. And if you do it and you are consistent all the way through, you know, cheers to you. But if you're on again, off again, on again, off again, then you need to be objective and look at it and say, this is part of the process and this is expected and this is okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That is life-changing, I think. (laughs) Did you ever read the book, um, The Inner Game of Tennis? No, I'm going to write it down though. It's a a philosophy book, really. Mm-hmm. But I used to teach this to my students in, when I was teaching high school. You have three people on the court, player A, player B, and the ref. So player A hits the ball out, hits the ball and goes out of bounds. And they're like, oh, you stupid idiot. Why did you do that? I can't believe you did. And they're all down on themselves. Player B, their fists shoot up in the air and they go, yes, go me. All right. And the ref says, the ball is out. Yeah. He's the ref, ref is on the side with no emotional swing, mm-hmm. objectively looking at the situation and not judging it, just seeing it the way it is. The player A is looking at everything negatively. Player B is looking at everything in terms of themselves, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with them. The ball went out. It has nothing to do with them. Yeah. The objective is to be the ref when you're in a situation. So we'll go back to this business about the New Year's resolution. So you say, I'm going to increase my exercise. So this is a specific goal. I'm going to increase my exercise. So by the end of March, I will be putting in an hour of movement every single day. Okay, so that's three months. And some days you're going to be doing it and some days you're not. And, but you're going to start gently and slow and you're going to move forward. Right. Yeah. So on the day that you don't work out, player A would be going, Oh, I can't believe you didn't work out. I, you should have, now you're going to be behind your schedule. Right. Yeah. And on the days where you do work out, player B is going, yes, go me. I'm wonderful. Right. But the whole time you should be the ref. You should be saying, well, it looks like, I'm able to work out two days in a row. And then the third day I lose my motivation. So probably I need to take a break until I get stronger. So I'll go two days and then one day and then two days and one day. And maybe what I'll do is instead of doing a half hour each day, I will do 20 minutes each day that I'll be able to do that three days in a row or four days in a row. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. Taking that emotion out of it really. Exactly. You look at it objectively and it saves you so much anxiety. And plus, why would we be punishing ourselves in the first place? We're supposed to be our best friends and our own advocates. And if we go through this self-chastising and self-punishing thing, 
that's what we're teaching our children to do. Mm-hmm. And we don't want them living lives of guilt. Yeah, that's so true. I tend to internalize all of that. Yes. <laughs> so yes. other people Everybody don't listening see it, to but... this, Raise your hand if you tend to internalize all that. Yes, we all do it. Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah. But the, the idea is to be the coach, the mm-hmm. ref and say, I'm going to change that. I'm going to yeah. work on that. I am in the process of working on that. And if I look back where I was this time last year, I'm actually in a better place than I was last year Yeah, because I'm motivated to work on it. I wasn't last year. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's huge. I'm definitely going to read that book and I'm definitely going to read all of your books as well. Um, Yeah. So tell the audience um, where the best place to connect with you is. I have a couple of places. If you are on Facebook and a mom, I have a mom group there called the Mom Meetup, Raising Confident Girls. You're all welcome to join. If you go to my website, DeborahAnnDavis.com, that's Deborah with an H, you can get a free copy of How to Keep Your Happy On. Awesome. How to Get Your Happy On. Yeah. And there's a little experiment at the back of it on how to, how music and media affect your mood. So Mm -hmm. it might be a little eye-opener for people. Plus, it's a project you can do with your kids. Oh, that's so cool. And then, of course, there's my website, DebraAnnDavis.com. And my books are wherever you get books. So Amazon or or you can, if you ever want a signed book, you can send me um, an email at info at DebraAnnDavis.com and I can get a book to you signed. Oh, that's so cool. I might have to do that option instead of um, ordering it from some random place. So that's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful episode and the insights that you've given us, even like the facial techniques and all of those things. I mean, it's just, it can definitely be life-changing. I struggle with anxiety all the time. So I think I'm going to start implementing a lot of the things that you've given us just in this one little tiny podcast episode. And I'm going to start reading all your books so I can use the rest of the tools that you have and hopefully reduce my anxiety. So, well, I have one more thing to say is that if if you do any one of these techniques, Mm -hmm. the added bonus is this little feeling of empowerment because for that moment, you took control and you drove the truck. Mm -hmm. You decided what direction you're going in. Yeah. So those things are chemical releasers and your body looks for that positive feeling again. And that's what helps you start your habit. That's awesome. Yeah. I need those habits for sure. We all do. Everybody does. Yep. Yeah. And especially probably us mothers that are doing the mothering and the businessing and (laughs) all of those things. And taking care of everybody else except ourselves. ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for being here and sharing all of your wisdom and expertise with us. Um, if you would like to get in touch with Deborah, just go to her website and all of her links are going to be in the show notes. So you won't have trouble finding it. And also her, the link to grab her free book um, will be in there as well. So thank you so much, Deborah. You're welcome. And may I just say, I hope everybody, when you look back on 2021, that you can say, this was my best year ever so far. Yeah, I love it. 
This episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by the free Facebook group, Mastering Google My Business to Increase Your Revenue. Inside of this group, you'll get insights into new features of Google My Business, and you'll learn how to master your Google My Business listing in order to increase your revenue. This is free to join, and you can find it on Facebook by searching Mastering Google My Business to Increase Your Revenue inside of the Facebook groups.